Hey. Uh, it's so good to be with you, and uh, we just love Pastor uh, Adam and Anita, and just love what God's doing through them in regards to the particularly the New Life movement, obviously local church, and the New Life movement. And uh, we've been kind of following, I feel like following in their footsteps, trying to work out what they're doing next, so that we can work out what we're doing next. It's always good to follow somebody, right? And uh, I've I've been in my church, Annisbrook Church, my wife and I were both brought up in the church, uh, born in the church pretty much, brought up in the church, and uh, we've, so I've been in that church for 53 long years, and it's a great privilege also to be leading a movement of churches, uh, as was introduced, and so good to, I guess, see where the new life has been, and where it's going now is quite a different track. To what's going on, and I kind of feel like for our movement as well, a very similar journey uh, to wanting to see, you know, I know Pastor Adam feels this as well, is just the desire to see people teaming up a little bit more together to actually, to actually uh, to, to reach a nation, you know, to actually bring change to a nation. And so this autonomy word, I don't know if you've heard of the word autonomous, but it just simply means you just go and do your own thing, uh, we, we just kind of feel that that's not the way forward, it's not our future, and that the better, it's better together, <laughs> definitely better together. It's my privilege to uh, share some thought, Viv, did you want to come up and say a quick hello before I started into this, that would be good. You want to hear from my wife, she's, you know, probably, yeah. Hi everybody, so good to be here. I just uh, just want to say again, it's amazing to be at the first service and just like this things are just building in the, in the atmosphere. I tell you what, God's presence is here. He is amazing, right? He is with you and uh, yeah, it's cool to be here. Like um, Brent actually mentioned, I forgot to mention at the first service, but uh, I didn't think I was going to be here because we were waiting for our, our second grandchild, a grandson to arrive and it was, uh, um, our granddaughter was, uh, our, our daughter-in-law was in labour all Friday, Friday night and Saturday and it was like getting close to the wire and he was born at 2.20 and we were able to go and meet him and so it's pretty cool, it's so cool, yeah, so good to be here and then we got on a plane and come up here, so blessed to be here, don't always get to travel with my husband so it's kind of nice, it's kind of cool, he's awesome, you're going to enjoy the word, open your heart and God will speak. (laughs) Thanks babe, that's awesome. All right, I'm going to talk about um, an element of our life that I think we often lose. Uh, it was actually written about in Scripture in regards to not losing it. Uh, and so therefore there's a, an ability to lose it, uh, but it prevents us from walking into all the promises of God when we do lose it. And so I want to bring us to a place of uh, freedom today that enables us to yet again to hear what God has been saying to us, take all the prophetic words that you've ever got in your whole life, if you've had any, or take even just the, the, the small dream or the small vision or, or the big vision that God's put, on, put in your mind or put in your heart, and, and again, to see that restoration come, to believe again, to have faith again. And, uh, and it's based around uh, Joshua chapter 1. And it's God's commission to Joshua. The Israelites had been in the wilderness for 40 years. They'd come out of Egypt, out of slavery. Now had been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. They could have taken 11 days to get into the promised land, the land of Canaan. uh, But they took 40 years instead, simply because of their unbelief and their attitude uh, was was, uh, not ripe for the promise. 
<laughs> so verse 1, it says this. And this is the amplified version, so it's really long uh, and loud. Now it happened after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, his attendant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise to take this place, uh, cross over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land which I am giving to them. To the sons of Israel, I have given you every place on which the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. I've given you every place. Every place where you put your foot, Joshua, it's yours, just as I promised to Moses. No one will be able to stand up before you to oppose you as long as you live. Just as I was present with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and confident and courageous, for you will give this people as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers, their ancestors, to give them. You will give them the inheritance." Do you love that? God speaking to Joshua, now saying, you are going to give this next generation their inheritance. And let me encourage you with this. God has a plan for a godly inheritance to be passed on to the people in your life. And the only way they can receive it or will receive it is actually through you. Can you believe that? Through you. Verse 7, so be strong and courageous. There's God's word for us. You want to break through for the next generation, you're going to have to know what it is to be strong and courageous. I'm going to give you every place where you set your foot, but you're still going to have to be strong, confident, and courageous. And he goes on and says, you know, don't let the book of the law, sorry, I've gone to, I'm jumping right now to verse 8. Don't let the book of the law depart from your mouth, but you will read and meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything in accordance with all that is written, uh, for then you will make your way prosperous. Amen. And you will be successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed, which actually means intimidated. And too often we get so intimidated by the things that take place in our, you know, uh, and sometimes we just don't know we're being intimidated. Um, I'll just share a little thought in regard to that. There was about six months I was um, uh, leading our church and, and it was just a couple of years ago and for six months I'd preach every week and I'd get off the stage and I'd just hate myself. I just hate what, what I was saying. I'd, I just thought, what a waste of time this is. I'm just useless, hopeless. And, uh, and I you know, would go home really disappointed. I just wanted to quit. I didn't know what was going on in my life. And, and, uh, and I remember speaking to a pastor friend of mine about it. And I said, look, this is how I'm feeling. You know, one of the greatest ways of dealing with something in your life is actually revealing it to somebody. Because it's pretty hard to reveal something like that when you're the pastor. You know, you're the lead pastor and, and you know, you've got all this stuff going on and you've got to preach every week. You've got to be strong and you've got to be courageous. And But every now and then there's a little bit of a weakness that takes place. And one of the greatest ways of dealing with that is actually speaking to somebody about it. So I spoke to a pastor friend of mine. And he said, oh, man, I had the same problem. It's intimidation. There's a spirit of intimidation on your life, and you're going to have to break that off your life. And it was, he was totally right. And then he said to me, he said, this is how you do it. He said, when you're going to a church to preach, uh, he said, you start praying out loud. You start confessing the word. You start aligning your thinking with God's word. And so I began to do that. I began to drive down, you know, down the, down the, the motorway. Nelson has a motorway. kind of does. Um, uh, and 
you know, just confessing out, speaking out who I am in God, speaking out with his messages from God. It's not my message. It's, and, uh, and three weeks it took, and I was completely free from this intimidation. But boy, did I have to, to get the strength and the courage. <laughs> Believe it or not, the strength and the courage to actually say, hey, I've got something going on here that I need some help with, uh, first of all. And then the strength and the courage to actually begin to oppose that thinking of intimidation on my life. Sorry, that wasn't in my notes. That was just extra special little point for you, uh, for, the, for, for us. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is with you wherever you go. He's with you. No matter where you're at, no matter what's going on in your life, God is with you. What a great promise. Now, the question I often get when I start to speak from the Old Testament is, Brent, you know, how does the Old Testament relate to me? Because we're no longer Old Testament, we're New Testament. So that's a great story. But, you know, all this stuff about the promised land, you know, and all of that, how does that actually relate to me? I'm, I'm living in the new now. I just want the New Testament. Well, actually, you know what? We don't really have a promised land here on earth now. That's true. Absolutely. You know, we don't kill people anymore, right? Oh. We, we, uh, we, we don't walk around cities and we don't shout and we don't scream and we don't holler and well some of us shout and scream and holler but not for the walls to come down you know, uh, true but everything written in the Old Testament were real stories and they were real people who were talked about and then written about because they revealed something about the nature and the dynamic of God the desire of God to redeem in other words to save uh, to save his people and the old testament points us to and reveals our coming savior Jesus Christ so it's all relevant now look the israelites did not have a book of promises they had a land of promises and in the absence of a book, the land became their guide. So what they did naturally, we gain from and learn from spiritually. Uh, so instead of a promised land to take, we have the promises of God in his word to receive. You see, remember, we walk by faith, all right? They walked by sight, but we walked by faith. Sure, they still had to have faith, but man, our walks truly is a walk of faith. But the Israelites, they walked actual steps. They walked through natural wilderness. They spent 40 years in the wilderness. But man, how often we can get stuck in a wilderness. It's not necessarily that we're in the wilderness. I mean, you live here, you know, in this beautiful part of the country. It's not wilderness, but spiritually we can be spiritually dry. We can live in a spiritual wilderness. And every now and then they got to go around the mountain. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. Sorry. And, uh, and we too experience those mountain experience, mount, you know, mountaintop experiences as well. True. So Joshua was now about to step into the land of Canaan. He'd been waiting a very, very long time for this to actually take place. Because a whole generation of Israelites had to die in the wilderness because of their unbelief. They, you know, the issue was they could not get Egypt out of their life. They couldn't get, even though they'd left Egypt, Egypt was still in them. Their past life of slavery, it dominated their attitude, it dominated their thinking, it dominated their heart, and therefore dominated their life. And even though they were now free, they were free you and I have got to settle with the fact that once we have experienced freedom, that we don't carry the thinking and the attitude of slavery to our past sins into our future. 
who the sun sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. I think I heard that just recently. This morning we sang about that. Yes, I am. Uh, it's a declaration of who we are in Christ. But man, can we sing it and walk out and not believe it? What I want to encourage you this morning is everything that's written in the Word of God is true. And we can walk out of here today free Indeed, not carrying the slavery mentality anymore of that to our past sins. Let me tell you, forgiven sin is forgiven. Jesus paid a huge price for it. And we smack God in the face when we don't uh, abide by that forgiveness, if you know what I mean. When we don't take up his forgiveness because we're, we're denying the power of the cross of Jesus Christ in our life. So we've got to settle with this fact that even though we uh, have experienced freedom, we've got to make sure that we are truly walking in the freedom that God has for us. Because remember, there was a promised land for the Israelites. There was more. It wasn't The wilderness wasn't meant to be where they were supposed to hang out. That was a stage they were meant to go through, and yet they had made a state of the wilderness. A place now to live to reside, uh, and it wasn't God's ideal. He had something more for them, but he couldn't take them in there because they still had this kind of attitude and thinking that kept them in the wilderness. God's got promises for you and I, absolutely. But you cannot get those promises until you are free. But guess what? You are free. You are already free. We don't walk to freedom. We walk from freedom. 2,000 years ago, that's when it all happened. That's when it all took place. You're more than a conqueror. Even though you may not feel like you're more than a conqueror, you're more than a conqueror because of what Jesus has done. Now walk in it. Every place where you step your foot, I will give you. So where are you, where are you needing to step into? What are you needing to step into now in your life that enables and brings the freedom that Christ has for you. Okay, so let's, let's move on. Let's go to um, uh, this next scripture, Hebrews chapter 10. We'll go to the New Testament because that was Old Testament. It's not relevant for us today. Okay, good. All right, not true. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30, uh, 35 we'll go to in the Amplified Version. The Apostle Paul is saying this, Do not therefore throw or fling away your fearless confidence, for it has a glorious and great reward. Do not throw or fling away your fearless confidence, for it has a glorious and great reward. Now, the reason why Paul was saying this was because there's a possibility that many of us, even though we might be saved, we are not free because we have lost the confidence of the freedom that Christ has for our life. Paul did not say, throw away your, you know, hey, stop throwing away your talent, stop throwing away your gift. Stop throwing away your ability. No, that's, that's all yours. That's yours. You're created with that. You're designed with that. You're wired with that. Uh, you know, you are unique. The reason why you're unique is because you have this gift, this ability, this talent in your life. So it's not that that disappears. Um, what does disappear is your confidence to use your gift and your talent and your ability. And so what do we do? We go, take the gift that's in our life and we bury it in the ground. And I tell you what, there are so many Christians who are saved, not free, who have buried their gift in the ground because they have lost their confidence. And Paul is just, he's, he's 
absolutely uh, telling the Hebrew church, saying, look, don't lose it. Don't lose your confidence because it's your confidence. You see, when you get to heaven, it's not going to be about your gift. When you get to heaven, it's not going to be about your talent or your ability, but it will be about your confidence. It's your confidence that it will be greatly rewarded. Because it's confidence that requires of, is, is now required of you to actually walk into the promises of God. It's your confidence that actually is now uh, the, the, the fulfillment of the purpose that God has for your life. You, you cannot fulfill your purpose without confidence. So it's your confidence that's going to be greatly rewarded, right? Are you with me still? Okay. So that criticism, that failure, that disappointment in uh, your life that you've lived under uh, did not strip you of gift, but it strips you of your confidence. That insecurity, that sin, that, that knowledge of your past, that broken relationship, that mistake, that powerless circumstance that maybe some of you are even dealing with right now will make you choose to either throw away your confidence and live in fear, or you will choose to throw away your fear and live in confidence. What does fear do? Fear cripples you. Fear cripples your confidence. Fear cripples, robs you of courage. Fear keeps you in yesterday. Fear causes you to just hide what God has given you. Fear causes you to, to simply put it in the ground. Let me tell you, fear is not from God. Fear is of the devil. His plot is to produce defeated Christians. Yes, you're saved, but are you free? And that's where the devil likes you to be. In that world of, I'm a Christian, but I'm not totally a very good example. I'm a Christian, I'm saved, I'm going to get to heaven, but only just. You know, that kind of feeling. Uh, I'm not free. And that's where the enemy wants you to be. He wants, to, wants you to be walking in defeat, not in victory. Christians who love God, but never walk in the promise of God. And that's often what we become. Now, I'm not saying you should never be fearful. Uh, someone once said, confidence is doing what you're afraid to do. <laughs> In other words, there can be no confidence unless you're scared. And we must face the fear and overcome fear with confidence. So yes, we face the fear, but we don't become a victim of fear. We, we, we choose, to be comp, choose to be confident again in our own life. I can be a Christian and live as a slave to insecurity. I can be a Christian and live as a slave to unforgiveness. I can live as a slave to poverty. I can live as a slave to all the wrong things, to the addictions, to depression, to oppression, and to fear. But when God tells me to be strong and courageous, not to be dismayed, not discouraged, then I have no choice but to do something about that. And the first thing you will need is not your gift and not your talent, but it will be your confidence. But God, I'm going to walk into this promise, the promises that you've got for me, but there's a massive giant in front of me. And all I've got, God, is really just five stones and a little rubber band. How's that going to happen? Or, or, or God, I've got this big wall in front of me. I don't really have the strength to see this wall come down. You know what God says? He says, good. It's good that you haven't got the strength for it to come down because I will give you the strength 
for that to take place and to see that wall come down. I will give you the strength to do that. And uh, I just need you to be confident, to be confident. Inferiority in my life, it's always been an issue for me. Uh, I was the dummy in the class. You know what? To be honest, that was in my eyes, in my own eyes. It wasn't necessarily, you know, the class probably wouldn't even have cared. What I was, how I th thought or what I thought. Um, I did two years in the fifth form. Of, uh, fifth form is, you know, year something. Uh, year, yeah, okay, year 11. All right. Bring back memories now. No, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I was, you know, it just, I, I just didn't really feel like I was totally important. Um, you know, but, but I was saved and I was a Christian. I was brought up in the church and had all that going on, but... I had all this thinking around my mind of how unique I wasn't and how unimportant I was. And, um, you know, I believed I had nothing to offer. I believed I had nothing to contribute. And I guess in some ways, I'd, I'd probably, even standing here, I would say, um, you know, I still probably have a, a bit of a degree of insecurity in my life. It hasn't totally left me. But, um, the, the, you know... When I, I mean, I wagged school when it was speech day. Anyone feel my pain? <laughs> yeah. That was the, fortunately, they did it alphabetically, so when it came to my name, I knew what, what day it was going to be, and so I made sure I wasn't there that day. And somehow, someway, I just, you know, I wasn't asked to do it, so that was good um, when I did come back to school because they'd moved on. Uh, so uh, I was able to miss out on all of that. Um, but you know what I found out in my later kind of teenage young adult years is that I realised that my insecurity was really um, it was my own pride so shyness is actual pride um, it's actually quite demonic shyness because it's the devil the enemy keeping you uh, and limiting you in who you are because I th you know I didn't think much of myself at all, and I thought I had nothing to offer. I, I just kind of thought no one would be interested in me anyway. No one's interested in who I am as a person, uh, and it was just my own thinking. But that's the way it, it, it was, and and it, and I failed in a lot of my schoolwork and all of that simply because of my thinking. Um, so I actually had to get to a point where, of surrender to God in regards to the fact that He's created me. I'm here for a reason. God's got a plan for my life. And I've still got to keep battling with that, by the way. That's not something that just disappeared. And ta-da, here I am, everybody. Now, it's something I have to face, you know, quite often in my life. And I know none of you can relate to what I'm sharing this morning. Um, but I had to settle with who I am and realise I have something to offer and had nothing to do with what I didn't have. It wasn't about the gift, the talent, or the ability. It was all to do with my confidence to be who I am and realise, really realise, I am a gift. I am a gift. If I, if I can't believe that and can't say that, I am denying God of all of what he has done and what he is wanting to do in my life. So here's three points. It's going to be the quickest three points you've ever had in your whole history of Connect Church. Number one, the enemy wants to rob you of your confidence through fear. You are a gift to this world, and this is in such opposition 
to what the devil wants for you. He loathes you with a passion. He hates you. His ultimate drive is to keep you ineffective. Number two, the enemy will use forgiven sin to rob you of your confidence. And number three, the enemy will use disappointment to rob you of your confidence. All the devil wants to do is keep you down, wallowing in the mud of mistake. Okay, that's enough of that. We're all convinced now uh, in regards to the fact that it's true that we can lose our confidence. It's not talent, gift, or ability that's important. It's actually confidence uh, is the the key thing, uh, which will be greatly rewarded. But okay, Brent, but how do I get my confidence back? Thank you for asking that question, everybody. Because I want to walk into the promises of God, uh, the promises that God has for me, but not just for me, but for me and my family. Because you know what you break through in, your family will never have to deal with. You know that? So if you've got an addiction, you break through that, your kids will never have to deal with that. You break through poverty, you know, take on the abundance that God has for your life, your kids will never have to deal with uh, poverty in their world. Uh, remember, a wise father leaves an inheritance for his, what, children, children's children, children's children. So we're not just talking the next generation, we're talking three generations. How's it going, everybody, with all of that? Uh, by the way, I had to also bust down this poverty thinking in my life to actually realise that God wanted me to abandon every area, not just the spiritual dynamics of my life, but every area of my life. And I had to really get my head uh, screwed back on right. I brought up in a very conservative traditional church, brought up in a church that didn't believe in the prosperity gospel, which, you know, to be honest, um, there have been some that have taken the prosperity gospel way to, you know, right to one side. But uh, if we could just bring the balance back, you'll actually know that God wants to give you life, life in all its fullness. He wants you to live an abundant life. And, uh, you know, I believe the Christian journey should be fun. You know, we should just have fun. You know, God is a fun God. He wants us to enjoy him. Uh, our call is to worship him and enjoy him forever. That's, you know, that's kind of the, the uh, I don't know, someone said that a long, long time ago. Enjoy, worship God and enjoy him forever. Okay, here's the answer. How do I get my confidence back? You ready for this? How do I find a way out of that slavery thinking and into thinking freedom? Okay, firstly, numero uno, number one. You have got to remember where you put it. Anyone ever lost their car keys before? And what's, the, what's often the reply when you ask your wife or your, your husband, where do I put those keys again? What will they often say? Where did you last have them or where did you last put them? All right? And this is the same challenge for us this morning. When it comes to your confidence, where did you last put your confidence? Where, where did you last put it? Oh, well, Brent, you know, uh, I, I put my confidence in that relationship. I put, that conf- put my confidence in that investment. I put my confidence in that gift. I put it in my worth. I put it in my family. I put it in my education. I, I put it in my ministry. I put it in my fashion. I put it in my fitness or my diet. I put it in my addiction. I even, you know, for some people, they put their confidence in their sickness. Where's your confidence? Where did you put it? And then secondly, once you've realized where you put your confidence, then I want to challenge you, even this morning, to recognize that and to pick it up again and to put it in the right place. 
recognize it. Okay, God, you know, maybe I have, I've put my confidence in things I shouldn't have put my confidence in. I pick it up now and I put it where it should be. So point number something, where should it be? Where do I put my confidence? Any thoughts out there? My confidence, I put my confidence in in the Lord. I put my confidence in the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7, it says this, But blessed is the one, blessed. Anyone want to live a blessed life? That's about gaining some of the promises that God has for, for your life and for your family. I put, I, I, but blessed is the one who puts his trust in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Now, here's, here's some promises for you. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. My confidence is in the Lord, the hope of my salvation, but not just my salvation, hope now to walk into the promises of God because I've put my confidence, I've taken my confidence from the things that I shouldn't have and I've placed it in the Lord. So do not throw away your confidence for in due course it will be greatly, greatly rewarded. Listen to Ephesians chapter 3. In him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. How do I put my confidence in God? Through faith in Christ. What does that mean? It means I choose to believe. I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm choosing to believe. I'm not choosing fear. I'm choosing to believe. I will believe. I will trust Him. I will put my life in His hands. I will worship Him. I will rejoice in Him. I'll even rejoice in the day that He is made, but only because I'm allowed to, because His Word says that. Otherwise, my confidence and my rejoicing is in Him. I will lean on Him and I will rest in Him. Where is my confidence? My confidence is in the Lord. And that's, there's so many promises of God for those who would choose to get confidence back and to run into and place your foot into the promises of God and claim those promises for your own life and for your family's life. But you cannot have confidence in God if you don't have a relationship with Him. First things first. You cannot have a relationship with God unless you are prepared to give up your own way of living and hand over your life to God, to His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Savior of the world. He was put on a cross for your sin so that you don't have to be put on a cross yourself. You, 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 you just don't have to do that because Jesus has done that for you. And His death and His resurrection provided the way for us to come back to having a relationship with Him. So I want to make a call just 
very quickly for those of you who are, who really have felt disconnected from God. Maybe it's because you've you know you did lose your confidence, and some of us we we totally lose our confidence in God. It's time to put your confidence back in Him. But first of all, you've got to have a relationship with Him. If you don't know Jesus Christ or you know you're totally disconnected from Him, then I want to give you that opportunity this morning. An opportunity to respond. Say, okay, today I need to make that decision. I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. I need to invite Him into my heart because I don't want to be wasting my time. I want the promises that God has for me and for my life. A confident life. Jesus said, I've come so that you might have life in all its fullness, an abundant life, a confident life. That's what he wants. That's what he wants for you. But you've got to know him. You've got to make a decision at some point in your life to actually invite him into your world. And if you haven't done that this morning, if you if you haven't done that yet in your life, if you maybe you have and you know you walked away from him, then I really want to give you this opportunity. What I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. All I'm going to do is ask you to raise your hand. Now, after you've raised your hand, I'll acknowledge you've raised your hand. Then we're going to pray a prayer together, asking Jesus into our life. That's pretty much it. So, every eye closed, every head bowed. I'm going to count to three, and then I'm going to give an opportunity for those who know that they need to come back to God today know that they uh, need to connect back with Him. They feel so connected, feel so far away from Him, it's time to come back. So on the count of three, one, two, three. Come on, if that's you, why don't you raise your hand? God bless you. God bless you over here. God bless you. That's awesome. Anyone else joining these ones this morning? Anyone down the back there? Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. Fantastic. That's awesome. All right, we're going to pray a prayer. And uh, uh, just a prayer asking Jesus into our heart and into our, into our life. But what I'd ask everyone is if you would want to pray that with me. Everyone together, would that be okay? Just encouraging these ones that have responded this morning. So good. Here we go. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for me. and Paying the price for my sin. I turn from my past. I invite you into my life. I thank you for your forgiveness and your healing. I choose to love, serve, and walk with you from this day and forever. In Jesus' name.